America is deeply divided. There are only two sides to every issue, and there is no interest in finding common ground, not even with members of your own family. But as the 2024 presidential election looms on the horizon, there has never been a more important time to have the necessary conversation. Welcome to the third episode of The Necessary Conversation. This is a show about a family, my family, who essentially doesn't talk to each other anymore because of contemporary politics. And that's been the case for around six years, really, maybe even longer, actually. Maybe it started to happen during Obama. That's something we're going to get to the bottom of in this podcast. But you've met my mom in the first episode. You've met my dad, Bob, in the second episode. Now you are going to meet the fourth and final member of the Colchin family. She is a mother of three. She is a small business owner in a very red state. She herself is very not red. She is a skydiver. She is a motorcycle rider. She is head-to-toe tattooed. She's a general badass. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce my sister, Haley. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can't wait. (laughs) My pleasure. So let me start out uh, asking you some questions that are similar to how I kind of introduced mom and dad by going through your political history. Okay. So what do you remember uh, when you were a kid? Did you have any kind of political leaning at all? As a as a kid, no. I don't, I mean, I was trying to remember as far back as I possibly could. I remember mom and dad, like, talking about Ronald Reagan. Uh, I remember, like, the whole Say No to Drugs campaign as we experienced okay. entry school. Uh, Uh I feel like maybe that was my introduction to politics as a child, but even then I didn't understand that that was political. Um, so no, I like politics was not even on my radar as a kid, even in middle school, uh, even in high school, like we didn't have social media, so I couldn't Mm -hmm. look at my phone and see current events. Like you had to literally sit down and think about, I want to watch fucking C-SPAN or CNN and, and nobody did that. Uh, when we were kids. So as a child, I had zero knowledge of like what was going on in the world unless mom and dad were talking about it. We should also clarify for anyone listening, your generation. Mom and dad didn't, or at least dad didn't even know what fucking generation I was last time I talked to him. Right. <laughs> so if, you, if you're comfortable saying your age or your generation, I think that's helpful. Yes, I am 41. I was born uh, in 81, so I am a millennial. I think that he would know that about you. He Because he thinks, I think, that we're both millennials. He thinks you're a millennial. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. He was like, yeah, y'all fucking millennials. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not. I was like, what generation do you think I am? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so you don't have any real memory of politics affecting your life when you were a kid at all. No, none. What was your first political memory? You're talking about mom and dad talking about Reagan, the Say No to Drugs campaign, Nancy Reagan's famous crusade against uh, anyone using recreational drugs. That is my that is my first memory of anything. Um, But at the time, like I didn't associate it with politics. Uh I knew I wasn't supposed to do drugs. (laughs) Right. Okay. so who did you first vote for Uh, in the presidential election? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So presidential election, uh, the first president I ever voted for was Barack Obama. 
in his first go round or second? First. Okay. And so what is your political affiliation? Let's just get that out of the way. Obviously, if you're voting for Obama, you're left leaning. Do you consider yourself a Democrat? I don't. Uh, I'm not a Democrat nor Republican. Um, I don't really affiliate with either. Uh, I, I feel like I'm similar to you and that like maybe an anarchist. I despise, <laughs> despise okay. it. Uh, but you know, like we live in this world where like you have, you have to vote for one or the other. And so we're always faced with like the lesser of two evils. Um, so like historically, I mean, yeah, I, I've always voted blue. Uh, I mean, I can remember like when Bill Clinton was running and thinking that, you know, maybe that's how I vote. But it, it wasn't until I think I had kids that like politics really started to play a role in my life. Um, and Barack Obama, like it was around that time that, that we had, I think, two kids at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that I had to actually like go to the polls and do something about it. Well, you had kids super young. You followed a little bit in the model of mom and dad. They had me when mom, I think, was 20 and dad was 22. Yeah. When did you have your first kid? I think, let's see, Roman is 17. So I would have been 23. So pretty young. And what did that, did having Roman affect you politically? I mean, did you start to think about like what type of a world do I want him growing up in and how am I a part of that? Does my political, my vote or my political leaning have anything to do with that? Were you thinking of shit like that at that time? I don't think when Roman was born that it was on my radar. Uh, Like around that time, I mean, like what what had happened? Like when I was in college, I think maybe Columbine happened and then 9-11 uh, and so I think maybe I started thinking about politics a little bit at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly when when I had a kid, suddenly, you know, this is the world that he's going to grow up in. Holy shit. Like, I have to do my part, you know, and suddenly like global warming and and whatever war was going on in the world, like it all begins to matter because like it's not just for me at this point, like he has to fucking live in this world. So politics definitely hit my radar like when children happened i want to divert for a minute and talk about your kids before we get back to your political history what are they like politically you're obviously trying to instill in them i would assume your political beliefs just as mom and dad did with us and it didn't work on us right do you think whatever you're trying to do to your kids is working on them and what are you trying to do to them uh you know obviously like I I feel how I feel. I think how I think. And I would love for that to rub off on the kids. But we've always kind of left it up to them. We talk about all of the current events at the dinner table. So they know they're well aware of like what's going on in the world at all times. They also have their phones, which is, you know, fucking hive mind. So it's unavoidable. Um, but they all are way more aware of politics and like what is going on in the world than I was at that age. So, I mean, they get upset about shit that like I was oblivious to when I was their age. They, I have one who's kind of a crusader. She's like a little rebel um, or littlest. And she, uh, you know, she stands up for the LGBTQ community at school. And like, she's kind of been labeled the bad child by the assistant principal. And she says like, people at school are afraid of you, mom. (laughs) So like, 
What? People yeah. at her school are afraid of you? Yeah. So there's the assistant <laughs> at, apparently terrified of me. Um, Why? Because I'm very vocal in the community. and, and I, We're going to get to your, your vocality in the community, rest assured. But yeah. what... It terrifies the assistant principal because why? They don't want to have to deal with me. They don't want okay. me to have to come in the office and have the altercation. So yeah. she said, like, there are people, there are teachers at her school that, like, you know, they love us. They love what we say. Uh, but there are also teachers and the vice principal who loathes what I am and what I have to say. So uh, she's kind of, I guess, the most outspoken when it comes mm. Politics. Ironic. Right, well, the littlest. Yeah. The youngest as well. Right. Um, so let's get into, you know, you're saying you're very outspoken in all of this. Let's get into the next piece of kind of like, I think the, the major part of your identity, which is also a political part of it, is the business that you opened during Obama's second term. Yeah. You opened a bakery. Mm -hmm. It's called Hive Bakery. It's in Flower Mound, Texas. This is a suburb of Dallas. It is a very red area, mm -hmm. shall we say. <laughs> and across all of your social media, uh, you're very outspoken on the Hive Bakery Instagram account, Facebook account. You're posting political things. You're making cookies that support Beto O'Rourke, who dad in the last episode just shit on. I, he was like, I don't even know what's his fucking name, Beto or something. <laughs> he was like making fun of his name. Yeah. So you're the, the guy that dad like hates. You're literally making cookies to support. Yeah. Your, his name is on it. You are making cookies about Roe vs. Wade, which we're going to get to, rest assured. So that's what these this assistant principal is talking about when they're saying you're outspoken is yeah. that you're very out front with your political beliefs. You put it in front of your business. Yes. And people, uh, you know, feel some type of way about that. Yeah. For sure. 100%. Um, I can't, like, at this point, I can't even count how many times we've literally had people either just walk by the window and flip us off, shake their head in disgust. People literally just open the fucking door to yell obscenities at us and then walk away. Um, police have shown up and said, you know, I need your contact information in case of an emergency. If someone decides to vandalize your property, uh, I've had death threats. Uh, You've had death threats for making cookies. 100%. The death threat came after we made a my body, my choice cake posted it online in response to, uh, you know, the chatter that the Supreme Court was potentially going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So we wanted to speak about it. I have a platform. I want to fucking use it. And so after we posted this cake, it went viral. The Dallas Observer, like, covered the story. Um, and I received, like, a bona fide death threat from a man on the Internet. I screenshotted it and everything posted it in my TikToks and people went ape shit. So yeah, I receive all kinds of backlash on a daily basis. I've been called every fucking name that you can think of. It's ongoing. Like it's literally happening right now over a Beto cookie. <laughs> I saw that post that you made about it. It's but if you haven't checked it out yet, please go to Hive Bakery on Instagram and you can see all this shit or follow her on Facebook. My sister makes fantastic cakes. She's been on a bunch of uh reality shows, cake wars and things of this nature. So she's kind of out there in front of us. She's a social media celebrity in the cake world. And she's using that platform, like she said, to promote her political beliefs. And she's getting some backlash. I, that death threat thing is fucking crazy to me. Did you send that to the cops? 
Or did you just like take it and be like, ah, fuck this guy? I I did not send it to the police. Um, but like I said, they've been in contact with me a couple of times. Um, so it's, you know, and you'll, and you can go and read like some of the posts, like the threads, people are like, you need to be careful. Like this town is crazy. You never know what can happen. And I mean, like, I don't know how to take it, but I can't live a life of fear, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. my platform. So I just continue to kind of say what I want to say, uh, you know, death threats be damned, I guess. (laughs) Are you worried about like violence potentially against you? I, not really. I, I don't know. I feel like most of these people are just chicken shits, you know, like keyboard warriors. So no, not really. Um, okay. Like I said, I get, I've had somebody flip me off at the grocery store, shake their head at me in disgust at the grocery store. Like mm-hmm. about in town, people recognize me and I either get like, fucking love you, hot bakery, like this pump in the air or like just utter disgust and like, <laughs> okay. Speaking of utter disgust, what were you thinking as Donald Trump started to run for president back in 2015? Yeah, yeah. we all thought it was a fucking joke. We were like, what? No fucking way. Like, he's a reality TV dipshit. Like, it's Donald Trump. Like, he's a joke to begin with. So we thought it was hilarious um, until it started to get very real. And then mm. everybody's assholes puckered up and we're like, this, this cannot be. Like, there's no fucking way. I thought it was a joke. That's hilarious, by the way, that you said everybody's assholes puckered up because as much as you may not be like dad, you sound like him <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um. Okay. So do you remember where you were on election night or what that was like when Trump won for you specifically and your family? We, so the kids had to go to bed because they had school the next day. And uh, my husband and I stayed up to watch the election. And the outcome. And it slowly started to become more and more apparent, like what was happening. And I think we just kind of sat there in disbelief. Like there's, there's no way, like we were in disbelief. And then the days that followed, like literally grieving, it was like a grieving process. I was depressed. Like I didn't even want to get out of bed because we understood the ramifications of what just happened. Like we knew that it didn't just end at like a shitty president, like real shit was about to ensue. And so it was, uh, like I said, like it was almost like a grief, like sadness. It's Joseph M. Wanted with the Constitutionalist Politics. Tune in for the upcoming episode for May 4. Issue, never the issue, as well as guests Peter Serafin, Rosemary Downer, Don Gallade, Gista the Rapper, Cy Young, Jason Perry, and upcoming Jack Hagar, Andrew Thorpe King, Trent Rock, Ed Temple, Chris Morehouse, and more. Please tune in to Constitutionalist Politics. God bless. I remember I watched the election that night with a good friend of mine, at her sister's home in Silver Lake, California, is a suburb of, of Los Angeles out here, or an, an area, neighborhood of Los Angeles. And it was obviously everybody there was very far left leaning. There were families. There were little kids. It was like going to be a big celebration. The first woman president of the United States, Hillary Clinton. 
Exactly. And instead, by, you know, whatever, 10 o'clock when they really started to call it in Trump's favor. Right. Open sobbing, weeping, coming from 13-year-old kids, coming from 50-year-old men. And I was just like, this is fucking bananas. And I felt the same way as you did, especially in the days immediately after it. I was glued to the news being like, okay, tonight's going to be the night. They find the thing that gets him out of office. And I felt that way for like fucking two years before I finally was like, "What? it's never happening. He's staying in. This is it. I agree. And yeah, it was like that for us. We told the kids like, can you fucking believe it? Like the first female president in the history of the United States, like that's about to happen when they will. We told them disbelief, like it looked like they were going to throw up disbelief. Yeah, I I think for me, it marked a moment that was like this had been coming. Certainly, I think with the proliferation of social media, with what we have just basically become as a celebrity culture, we were getting to the point where like platform doesn't matter. It's just about fame. How much of it do you have and what type of it do you have? Yeah. And I think with Trump, that solidified that 100%. Politicians are just celebrities now. Their platform is meaningless, at least in this country. And I think we're still in that uh, era. I don't think that will change for a very long time. Yeah. Um, How did Trump's presidency affect your business or did it at all? It didn't affect us, I don't think, at all. Uh, Like, we've always had a strong, like a strong following, um, which now has become more in tune with like, who we are, how we speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it didn't really affect Hive Bakery when he was elected, other than like all of us personally that work at the bakery, but like business-wise, we were kind of unaffected. And who works at your bakery? They run the gamut, um, but everyone in my bakery, like I have a single mother, I have like several LGBTQ community uh, people. I've got... I'm. it runs the game. A lot are women. We have two dudes that work for us. Um, but everybody is very left leaning. Uh, the work culture in the kitchen is very much, you know, like they all kind of speak how I speak. They think how I think. So, <laughs> so it truly is a hive it, mind. We're all friends. We're friends. Like they're not just employees. Like we are. Right. So, you know, when you're with somebody for fucking eight, nine hours a day, that's most of your fucking day. Like you start to like you talk like each other. You watch the same fucking shows like, you know, we yeah. work and, and we're friends. OK, so that's kind of your political history, where you are now with your business and how it's all of this stuff kind of ties together. I want to start getting into now mom and dad a little bit, because one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast was. I I think a lot of people are in the situation that you and I are in, where their parents are obviously older than them, and they uh, are Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has put a strain on our family, for sure. We don't really talk to mom and dad. And part of why I wanted to do this podcast was to put out there these conversations that we're going to have with them so that other people can hear them and see that maybe... (laughs) There is a way, not that I even know what the way is, but maybe there is a way to actually talk to them, bridge that gap, and repair the family a little bit. And then the the other reason is because I actually want to do that with our family. So in that uh, effort, I suppose, I want to talk to you a little bit about your feelings about them with Trump. Can you remember when they went all in on Donald Trump? Do you have like an exact moment in your mind or a rough feeling where it was like, oh, wait a minute, are my mom and dad going to be voting for Donald fucking Trump? So 
I mean, like I've always known our parents to be a little bit conservative, but growing up, certainly uh, I had no idea that they were far right. So I don't think that that existed when we were kids. They were not really political. Um, I think it was maybe, I mean, it was before the election, but not long before the election that, you know, they started talking about Donald Trump and shit like that. And like putting the fucking sign in their yard and wearing the fucking MAGA hats. And I was like, wait a second, (laughs) this cannot be. I, I was in disbelief. I really was. Uh, I think they radicalized though. Like once he was elected, um, it just, they went fucking bonkers a little bit for Donald Trump, like only watching Fox news and like calling Mm -hmm. Patriots and, you know, like literally wearing the MAGA hats and and putting the signs and shit in their yard. And, uh, I don't know. It was a little shocking. It was shocking. I definitely remember the Trump shit, but there was a time before that. It was sometime during Obama. I really have started to think about this a lot. I, I have some very specific memories of specific moments. One, I don't know if you were there at this time. I think you were. It was, it was, in the October leading into the 2016 election and that year's October surprise was the Trump grabbing by the pussy tapes. Oh, right. I was there. I was in their living room when that shit was going on. And I remember me and dad and mom, and I I can't remember if you were there or not, but we were talking about politics and I was like, Oh, this is it. Like no, no woman will vote for him now. Right. And mom just literally parroted back his line. Oh, that's just locker room talk. Uh, And I was like, Oh fuck, he's going to win. But even before that, I can remember at some point during Obama's presidency, every time I would visit them, within five minutes of being in their living room, dad was screaming at the top of his lungs about whatever Obama was doing, how much he hated him, and yelling at me as though it was like my fucking fault, literally screaming in my face. And I was like, this is different. They might have been right-leaning before, but there's something else going on here now. Like, the anger that is coming from them is at a level I've not seen. That is correct. I think maybe that's when Fox News 24-7 started, was when Obama was elected. You are right. That is when it started. They were angry. He made them so angry. And so then I guess that just carried through to Trump? I, I don't know. I mean, does it seem... Like strange to you that they went this hard into Trump? You're saying shocking, but is it is it that shocking, or is this kind of like were they on this path before? No, I'm like I was shocked because I don't know. I've always seen Mom as kind of like I remember a time when she was very like kind of hippy dippy and like not religious, but like spiritual. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember Mom being like less uptight about this shit, and Dad. I mean, he's always been wound up pretty tight, but I don't remember him being like super political. Uh, so, yes, this was this is very shocking to me. And like talking to mom about abortion and shit and like how I have daughters. What if I'm fucking raped? Like her views on that. I never in a million years thought her to be conservative on that matter. So, yes, very shocking. I think that they uh, like they're so far into believing and wanting to believe all of the Donald Trump shit and everything that kind of follows that like they're just going to keep it up at this point. Yeah, there's a certain kind of like there's an inability I think in the psychology of a Trump supporter to ever go back on it because one of Trump's primary psychological tactics is never apologize, you're never wrong. 
I have the best phone calls. Yeah. I mean, it's right. that shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. what does that even fucking mean? So I think as a Trump supporter, you have to abide by that same kind of psychology that's like everything we're doing is right. Right. Everything you're doing is wrong and you never fucking relent. And that to me is kind of like maybe the most shocking thing. I consider both mom and dad to be pretty smart people. Dad specifically, I think, has like a a weird kind of robot intelligence from his job. Like he's able to look at numbers and whatever. And I guess maybe falsely, I equated that to, well, they can't be conned. And this guy is a clear con man. Yeah. And it's like, nope. I don't know if it's because it's their generation or they have certain proclivities for whatever kind of fucking mindset they might have about a wide variety of discriminatory ideas. I don't know exactly what he plugged into with them, but he fucking fully did plug in. And I, I was also a little shocked that they were like voting for this guy who's a reality TV host. Right. Right. The Apprentice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A reality TV show. It like. <sighs> There are just days where I can't even wrap my brain around it. Um, I mean, I've been sad. I've been mad. Like this whole podcast is about us not even talking to them on a real level for the last, you know, since like fucking 2016. Uh, and that sucks because, you know, there are parents and and I want to be able to talk to mom and dad about shit. But it always kind of segues into politics with them. Mm-hmm. And I like I can't do it so like I just try to keep every conversation like very nice and normal and talk about the weather and uh I I just I never thought that something like Donald Trump would fucking come between us as a family I can't agree with you more and I part of why I want to do this is to maybe get to a point where all of us realize there have been presidents and politicians way before we were ever walking around on this planet and there are going to be presidents and politicians way after they're all going to be doing shit that some people like and some people hate and that will never change right but the fact that like as a family we're only walking around this fucking ball of dust for x amount of years and especially for mom and dad there ain't too many of those left right and it's like we only got a few years to fucking start talking to each other again right and and kind of maybe realize like I don't know if politics is really a reason to not talk to your family anymore. It's not as important, at least in a, in a personal way as like the fact that we are each other's family. That's kind of the, at least that's the conclusion I came to at a certain point. And I was like, well, fuck then. How am I going to solve this? What can I do to change this? And so (laughs) my first thought was do a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, I mean, obviously it's touchy and, and, so like they, you know, they always talk about all the shit they want to talk about and scream and, you know, <laughs> like they get fucking crazy about it. But we yeah. that. so I, I don't know. I, I would like to think that at some point we'll be able to talk about shit like this without being fucking excommunicated. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, hopefully this podcast format will help with that. I do think so far the two episodes that I've done with them, I think. It has gone well-ish, you know? I'm not saying a lot back. I'm just kind of, like, asking them questions and hearing them out. Because I am curious about the psychology of, like, why they think the way they think. There's something in that that I feel like if I can understand them a little better, it'll be easier to have these conversations. Or it might take the level of it down a little bit. Like, does it always need to be screaming, you know? <laughs> but it, Well, yeah, yeah. Like, that's always in the background. 
but uh, it's not just our parents. So like, there's something like on a global fucking scale happening here with Donald Trump. That's like, he's just emboldened a shitload of people to come out and fucking speak their piece. And they're all fucking crazy. And so like putting my parents in that category is very difficult to grasp. <laughs> that's my sure. dad, you know, like there's fucking people in Flower Mound on the corner with like, you know, fucking baby murderer signs and shit like that. It's like, is that my mom and dad? Like that's them, right? You've listened to the first two episodes. What do you think? Uh, It's like, it's hard. It's hard to hear the shit they have to say. Yeah. When they're talking about fighting in a civil war willingly, right. dying for the country and shit, and they're 70 years old, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's hard to hear because, like you said, I've always thought of our parents as fairly intelligent people. So to hear them say this shit is, it's kind of mind-boggling. I I just don't understand, like, where where it went wrong for them. Where, when they became radicalized, like, they are radicalized. Like, it's... It's upsetting. It's hard to hear. I agree with you. Um, speaking of hard to hear, let's move on to our next topic. Last week, Texas's trigger law went into effect, making it a felony for doctors to perform abortions. Breaking that law is now punishable by up to life in prison. And the statute also states that the attorney general, in quotes, shall seek a civil penalty of not less than $100,000 plus attorney's fees. What was it like for you when Roe vs. Wade was overturned? What was that day like? Oh, funny, funny fucking story. We were in the car on our way to mom and dad's house. Or, oh yeah. So I get on my phone just to fucking doom scroll, basically. And uh, the news hit. And it was involuntary. Like, I literally just started crying. And see, I was like, what's fucking wrong? Is everybody okay? I was like, no, bitch. Like, fucking overturn like not in my lifetime that i ever think that that would occur uh you know we we certainly uh fucking heard the ramblings of it and and i i feel like it's something that we should have expected once donald trump was elected supreme court like shit stacked uh but i literally began crying in the car because what's next right so now it's this what's fucking next and i have an entire bakery full of women and lgbtq community members um i have fucking daughters i have a son and so in my mind i'm just for me that was just like the stepping stone like what else are they gonna fucking do what are they gonna take from us you've basically just told me i'm a second class citizen i have no fucking rights i have no voice uh, and that's bodily autonomy is like a civil fucking right. Like it's, it's something that, that I should have, like, you can't take that away from me. So upset, devastated. Like I, I, I now am in fear of like, what fucking else? Were your kids in the car with you? Yes. Yeah. We were all in the car. So what was it like for them? If I may ask, if you want to bring them into this, you don't obviously have to, but I am curious. My youngest you know, a ball of fire, like, yeah, I fucking do this shit. I fucking bullshit. Like, and how old is your youngest? She's 13. Uh huh. <laughs> so, like, raring to go, ready to storm the gates. 
rebellion right. all day long. She wants to fight in the Civil War against mom and dad. She's ready. Yeah, she's ready. Uh, my 15-year-old, like, just somber, you know, because they get it. Like, they're young, but they get it. And Roman, like, they all just kind of, it was somber. They said, mm-hmm. keep crying. And I said, check your phones, check the news. And, and my 13 year old went ape shit and the other two just kind of sat in silence, like in disbelief. And what was it like being in the suburb of Dallas where you live? Because I assume the, the majority of people in the area you live are real happy about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, shortly after that, we made another post, you know, like cookies that say, fuck the patriarchy and my body, my choice. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, a, we're a beacon of hope in this fucking town because I know there's people out there like me living in flower mound. They just don't know that everyone exists. And so when we post this shit, we sell out, you know, and like I donated the proceeds of all of those cookies to, uh, several, you know, like Planned Parenthood-esque organizations. Um, they wrote me letters like saying that, you know, you're going to help somebody fucking drive to a state to get an abortion. You're going to help somebody, mm-hmm. y- you know. So uh, there are people in our town that give a shit, but certainly um, even our the mayor of Flower Mound posted shit on his personal page about like rejoice, you know, N- no lives lost anymore, shit like that. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we live we live in a town where, you know, they called me a baby murderer for posting a fucking cookie that said "fuck the patriarchy." So, we get a lot of flack. Um, I don't know. It was like that day we were all. I was just. You come home from that, and and the whole world has fucking changed. Suddenly, nothing is the same. So let me ask you this. You're talking about, you know, you tell your kids to check their phones, look at the news. Where do you get your news? Where are they getting their news? Because I I personally think that at this point in the kind of media society we live in, the channels that are directing media to you are very important. Um, I mean, I look at BBC a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I try, I don't know, like I'll look at Washington Post, um, C-SPAN. I don't know what outlets the kids are looking at. I'm assuming they just get on fucking Twitter and whatever they're following, they follow. Uh, I assume that most of their shit is probably left leaning. You know, you know that news outlets are usually one way or the other. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I've not asked them their news sources. That's interesting. Are you curious at all? I am now. I guess I never thought about it. Yeah. Romans on fucking truth social. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you find out he's a secret Trump supporter. Um, What do you think of social media generally and its role in the current state of society, especially where politics are concerned? I mean, there's no going back like social media at this point. um, It's hive mind. So we're plugged into everything. So it's essential. Like, fuck, my business wouldn't be half as successful without social media. So right. integral part of us knowing what's going on and, and fucking putting ourselves out there. Essentially everybody, you know, at this point has a fucking digital footprint. Um, it's just the way of the future. Well, the way of the present, but I'm saying, 
I'm not saying it can be changed. Obviously, I like you see the march of technology. It's really the only thing that we do as human beings that moves in one fucking direction. It never goes backwards. It's only getting faster, only getting bigger, only becoming a more important part of our lives on a daily basis. There's no point in lamenting it or saying that it's bad. I'm just curious, what do you think of its role? Like how it increasingly... I mean, I think Donald Trump is only elected because of social media. I think without it, there's absolutely no way that happens. And at this point... Every president has to be famous enough on social media to get elected. Like, you just have to be now. I don't think you could even see a president running without a social media account. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, even Beto, like, he is a celebrity in his own right, AOC. Like, mm-hmm. like we cling to these people because they are out there, because social media is allowing us to see all these things. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely an important part of politics. Um it's probably why mom and dad, like <laughs> she said, like she gets her news from her patriots. I don't know what mm-hmm. it means, but like, yeah, it's it's how we all see what's going on. But it's not for dad. Dad is not on social media at all. He has a cell phone, but like I think he uses it to send me a text message on my birthday every year. And that's about it. Yeah, that's I don't uh, I don't think he has a an app downloaded, you know, he's fine. so. What's that? He's just Fox Newsing. Well, Newsmaxing. They don't even watch Fox News anymore. Oh, all right. It's too left for them. <laughs> um, so I want to move on to a kind of like side topic that has to do with social media. Yeah. What do you think about cancel culture and wokeness? And is censorship now primarily a problem produced by the left which when we were kids it was all right the right was the the side that was like fuck you you can't say cuss words in songs there was a a congressional hearing where they had like prominent musical artists come and talk about whether you should or should not be allowed to say certain words in songs and that was led by the right right uh so like donald trump was like kicked off of all social media platforms and shit um, mm-hmm. I've never really thought about it. I mean, I guess that's like, should you, should you be censored? Even if you are fucking wild and crazy and inciting violence, like should censorship exist? Um, you know, like on Facebook, they put people in jail and shit for saying terrible things. Uh, I don't know. I've never thought about it. Certainly both, both sides are fucking guilty of it. Um, being radical in either direction is not okay. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, the left side is definitely... What do you mean, though? You are radical in a very specific direction. Uh, am I radical? Yes, motherfucker. You're covered head to toe in tattoos, and you're constantly posting about fuck you, come at me, bro type shit. Yes, you have that in you from dad. This, this mentality of like, fuck the world if you don't like me, you're just coming at it from the an exact opposite direction as him oh my god but it's just, just like dad. him you just called me dad <laughs> you're fucking like him this is something that i think look this has taken me a long time to come to terms with yeah. we are much more like our parents I, than we are willing to accept i think it's just that the ideology is different but the way we express it i think is very similar to them for you for sure. Every time I see you put a fucking post on Hive Bakery that's like, you know, a, a long list of people telling you to fuck off. And then in the caption, you write, me fuck off. Fuck you. You fuck off. Some <laughs> some version of that. I'm like, that's dad. 
Oh my God. I guess I, I've never been introspective enough to, to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrifying. No. Uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's, is it ultimately why like we continue to try to strive for success, like never good enough, got to keep going, going, going. Like, I feel like that's something that, that he either instilled in us or, uh, like, is it inherent? I don't fucking know, but yeah. I mean- no, it's not. I don't think it's inherent. I don't think it's coincidental that you and I both have an insane amount of, like, career drive and just kind of like a an attitude that's like, I'm doing this thing, and if anybody tells me I can't or shouldn't, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. We both have that, and I think it comes from, like, shit, I can remember when we were kids, dad would have us running wind sprints down the long hallway in our fucking house and timing us with a stopwatch until yeah. midnight. Yeah. Like that kind of shit is crazy. Yeah. Abusive. Yes. But it did. I think Look for all the negative shit that I've had to unpack over the course of my fucking adult life okay. <laughs> that, that dealt with our childhoods and some of the abuses we suffered. I have also come to terms with the fact that like there were some benefits in that that came out and some people see these things as not beneficial. Right. Like I've been, Definitely called a workaholic yeah. by some people in my life. And I'm not even saying that that's untrue, but that has been beneficial in my goals in life, right. in in getting to where I want to do, in doing certain creative things, making money in an industry that is like traditionally very hard to make money in. Um, so I think there is some benefit to it. but And I think you have that as well, I, especially with your bakery, the the drive to like succeed and put in the hours necessary. As The Rock said, it's about drive, it's about power. We stay hungry, we devour. <laughs> Smell what The Rock is cooking. Yeah, no, I uh, I have like a lifelong quest to just keep going. Like what's next? What's, what is going to drive me to do something better, bigger? I need it now. So I, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, and I, I, you know, as I said, it's taken me some years as an adult to really reflect on this shit, but I think, you know, as with any parenting endeavor, I think they were trying their best uh, on us as children, and this is what they wound up with, is is two children who are now adults that are successful in certain areas of business, but strangely, all they see is the political shit. I think they discount a lot of the, even the, the things they did instill in us. I think all they can see is that we're politically not aligned with them and therefore must be against them in every way. And I don't think they see like the, the beneficial things they did to us in the parenting. I think they, they see us in some ways as like a failure, you know, well, that, on their part. And that's, so that's, that is how I have always thought like all these years, because it just seems like anytime I do something, they, they tell me I can't, they tell me I shouldn't like, that's a mistake. That's stupid. You know, when I was a stay at home mom, I remember them telling me that I was wasting my degree. Uh, and then I started a bakery and they literally told me you're a terrible mom because you're not with your kids anymore. <laughs> and right. Oh, and then you're going to, with us and be bankrupt. And so I really feel like my whole life I have, I've kind of felt alone. I'll be honest. I feel like I have to have self-motivation and drive like no other to get where I am today because they never believed in me. And mm-hmm. 
I like that's hard to say, right? Like your own parents, like I feel like they never believed in me. So to, to think about all of the achievements that I've had in my life, like I have three successful, healthy children, uh, a 20 year marriage, a fucking booming business. And I still feel like they are not proud of me. I've never heard them like outwardly say it. Uh, but this guy came into the bakery the other day and he's one of dad's friends. Uh, and he said, I work with your dad. I just had to come in here and see for myself, like the woman that he's been talking about all these years. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh, your dad's like so proud of you and your brother. And all he does is talk about you. And it took, I was like, I was taken aback. Like what the fuck? Like Mm -hmm. he talks about us to other people and how proud he is of us. And I was shocked because in my mind, like, they're not proud of me. They've just never seen yeah. And so I, I, this guy's telling me that dad's like talking about us in a positive light. So I don't know if it's just like, they don't know how to articulate affection to our faces. Um, it's something that I think, like, do you remember being hugged when we were little kids a lot? Or like them telling no. loved us and shit? Because I know for that. And, you know, I know they love us like on, on their own, they love us. Right. But they don't articulate it the way that like, I hug my kids every day. I tell them I love them every day. You know what I mean? That wasn't given to us as kids. And so I don't know if they know how to do that all these years. Yeah. I just struggled with like, do they, are they fucking proud of me? Like, do Mm -hmm. I know they love me, but like, they've never physically showed me or like told me. So it's something that I have struggled with my whole life. Yeah. That's something that I've thought a lot about as well in my adult years. And I just kind of, I guess, came to the conclusion that exactly what you're saying, they do, they have a hard time articulating it. And then I start thinking about their childhoods, what their childhoods were like, which were in some ways not very good. You know, they have suffered some abuses as well. And I'm sure their parents did before that. And it just becomes this long string of parents, in most cases, I think, inadvertently causing psychological damage on their kids that's going to last a lifetime. And then it's up to those kids to either break that chain and do something different or just keep fucking repeating it. And uh, I think because dad's adopted, there is already a break psychologically in that familial chain for him. He's kind of the originator of the new version of whatever this family is, at least in his mind. And I think because he didn't really have what he deems to be a a kind of natural parental oversight in his life. I think he's, you know, doing the best he can too. At least that's the the conclusion I've come to. But all of this conversation that we just had about mom and dad stemmed from an original question that I had that you did not answer. <laughs> Which is what do you think of wokeness generally? The idea that at least in terms of its its more extreme side, uh, that you can't say certain things or think certain things. And if you do, that is a cancelable offense, that the internet will come for you and tear you down. Um, I'm a little bit torn because, you know, we grew up, like, we grew up in the 80s when movies and shit said all kinds of things that, like, you could never get away with now. Um, and we kind of write it off. It's like, oh, that was just, that was the times. Um, 
people say hurtful shit. I mean, fuck, I've had death threats, right? But like N-word, obviously you can't say that shit. F-slur, you can't say that shit. So for me, I think it's almost circumstantial. Um, there are some things that are way more impactful and hurtful than others. Um, so like the whole idea of wokeness in terms of, you know, like the Black Lives Matter movement and and the LGBTQ community, like, should you be canceled for saying N-word like in in fucking a public forum and you're like a figure that people look to? Yeah, probably. Probably. That shit. Mm-hmm. Cool. It perpetuates racism. You know, it perpetuates homophobia. So uh, it's. You know, it's one of the reasons that we all fucking hate Donald Trump and and all of the shit that he stands for. So, uh, am I woke? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty woke. But you know, I'll go watch my movies from the '80s and they fucking say shit that like you could. What's never- What's your favorite contraband movie from the '80s to watch? <laughs> well, okay, so think about. Uh, 16 Candles, right? Like all the John Hughes films grew up loving Yeah. Them. Still fucking love them. But like fucking Long Duck Dong, are you serious? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, there's all kinds of problematic shit in those movies. Uh, but I'm still going to watch them. You know, it's nostalgia for me. So, I mean, there was a movie that came out in 1985 called Soul Man yeah. starring C. <laughs> Thomas Howell. The plot of this movie, this is a major studio movie. It was a successful movie. Remember one of the guys? We're the girl. Yeah, just one of the guys, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the plot of Soul Man was that C. Thomas Howell, a white guy, accidentally applies for a scholarship at Harvard that is meant for black students. Yes. He wins the scholarship, and instead of being like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize I'm not black, he takes uh, tanning pills and turns his skin black, and he does a whole movie basically in blackface right. as a black person infiltrating black culture at harvard that was a studio movie made in i believe 1985 Mm -hmm. again that was successful and stuff um it's crazy and that's the era we grew up in right media like that was being made promoted making money and you know times as you're saying have definitely changed but i wasn't even necessarily talking about like um the big things like saying the n-word or or whatever like obviously we have changed as a culture and the things that you uh, should be saying or can be saying the words you can use and all that are different. But I'm talking about the, there is this thing. I'll just say this. I was writing a book that takes place like 30 years in the future. Mm-hmm. And one of the main characters, moms is a part of these things called outrage groups. Their whole purpose is to get people fired and like removed from public society. Yeah. They don't care who these people are. They don't care about their politics. They don't care about anything. They're just trying to get like CEOs, senators, presidents, just high level people fucked over. Right. And I think there is a piece of that in cancel culture that's like uh, kind of bloodthirst, just looking for anything to tear somebody down. Yes, it exists. I no, I I don't like it. Um I see it actually like in my posts. When I post something, there are mm-hmm. people who follow us that get rabid. Like they go ape shit. They will find you. They will find where you live. They will find your job. Um, I don't condone that. I would never. I'm just, I'm just saying my piece, right? And if somebody shits on me and I post their comment, I want you to be aware that like this shit is in our fucking neighborhood. But like I would never condone like trying to go get somebody fired or burn their fucking house down. Like that's not mm-hmm. what it's about. Um, 
So, yes, I mean, wokeness exists. Do I think it's okay that you fucking dox people? No. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I Because people have done that to me, you know? So mm-hmm. they've tried to cancel me. Uh, so I, I don't... I don't condone that kind of behavior. No. All right. Um, how are you feeling about the midterms? They are coming up. What do you think is going to happen? God, I don't, from what I'm reading, like, I mean, there's a little bit of hope that the Dems are going to take control. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I, I honestly am hopeful that Beto might fucking win. Um, I know he's trailing in the polls right now, but I, I just have to think like after everything happening in Texas specifically, like Greg Abbott, are you fucking kidding me? Like all the shit that he has done or things that he has not done for the state of Texas. Like at this point, I think anybody who's moderate, like a moderate fucking Republican at this point will be swayed. Um, the biggest problem in Texas is, is Beto wanting to take people's AR-15s, right? So, yeah, I'm going to take my fucking gun. That's my fucking right. I got to shoot fucking wild hogs with a semi-automatic rifle. So, (laughs) I, that's, that's not a joke. It's a, it's like real. Go look at people's fucking photos and shit. Um, okay. Their biggest problem here is that they don't want their AR-15s to be taken away. Uh, aside from that, like they're all smoking weed already. Just be honest. Um, and they're still shooting AR 15s. Yeah, for sure. How did weed not solve that problem? I don't understand. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think that, that, you know, if anyone moderate may vote for him because it, it means a lot of changes for Texas and, and it's necessary. What is your biggest fear about the next two years politically? The same shit, like, you know, uh, gay marriage not being legal anymore, fucking all of the things that that exist not existing. Like, we've already lost our rights to an abortion in more than one state, lots of states, you know, and, and the argument, like, just fucking move. If you can't, if you can't get one in Texas, fucking move to California. Yeah, it's that easy, guys. Uh inflation like are is this ever going to fucking end as a small business owner it's affecting me tremendously um i try to pay my people a livable wage also so like i'm having to pay employees more i'm trying to keep up with that i have to order fucking supplies and shit my costs have literally quadrupled in some cases uh so like inflation is affecting me on a business level and on a personal level um like I said, the LGBTQ community is kind of near and dear to me, family and friends. Uh, a lot of them are worried about their fucking marriages. They're worried about their, uh, like, if they go to the fucking hospital and die, where's their shit go? To their spouse? No, not anymore. They're not your spouse. It's it's everything. The Supreme Court is terrifying right now. So mm-hmm. a lot of fear for the next two years. Yeah, I have some too. Mine are more about, like, kind of what mom and dad were talking about not that i think a civil war will erupt but i think some kind of insurrection like incident will probably occur again no matter what happens whether trump wins or loses i think there's going to be more politically motivated violence coming in our country 
happen if he runs and he loses. Like, I cannot even fucking imagine. War. Like, an all-out fucking war. Mom and dad are... If he loses, you think? Yes. If he loses. Well, I suppose we shall see. Uh, Speaking of mom and dad, what do you think about this idea of a podcast? And how are you feeling about doing an episode with them and talking about this shit with them? Because that's where we're going with this. Uh, Um... I mean, I've talked to them about politics before and it didn't end well. Literally uh, resulted in a nine month exile. <laughs> like, what? They wouldn't talk to me for almost an entire year. So. And then at some point, like, you know, I miss them. I miss talking to my parents. It's like, how are they fucking doing? They don't even know what's going on with us. And so I called them to kind of break bread and. uh it didn't, I mean, it ended like, okay, there was a lot of screaming and like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how they're going to react. I don't, we've just avoided it altogether. Right. Like when I see them, we talk, like we just don't talk about it. Yeah. I mean, they are, if nothing else, our parents are extremely adversarial uh, and that is something that is, has been true of them, I think, for our entire lives. There's always an enemy that they have to have. And they've kind of pushed their own siblings out of their lives in service of that need to have an adversary. They will target one of their own siblings and then they're excommunicated. We're never talking to them again. And then really all they've got left in their lives is us. So now they kind of juggle, I feel like, you and me as the adversaries where they're not going to talk to you for a while then not talk to me for a while and whatever. But this podcast is, if nothing else, it is a forced one-hour-long conversation with them. And my goal with it is to have you coming into it as well so that our whole family is talking together. Maybe your kids, if they want to jump in, because I am curious about like Gen Z's perspective on all this. What What is Harper? Is she even Gen Z? Is she Gen Alpha? She's Alpha. So that's interesting to me, too. I mean, I don't really know any Gen Alphas. I don't know any Gen Zs, I don't think. Uh, other than your kids. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm very curious to hear their perspectives, if they're down with it, obviously, and if you are as well, and your husband. But um, my final question to you is, do you think this podcast is going to work and it's going to get us all talking again? Or do you think this will somehow blow up in my face and be a horrible disaster? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think that they might be more calm because it's a podcast instead of just behind closed doors. So maybe they'll absorb more through this. Uh, Cause you know, when we talk to them, it really doesn't matter what we say. Like they're always ready to combat. Um, so my hope is that because other people are listening, they'll be less enraged by what we have to say. And like, maybe hear some of it, like maybe, um, but it can't hurt. Like the alternative is we just don't talk. So mm-hmm. may as well. Um, there's, a, you know, I, I would like to sort through this shit and be able to talk to our parents on a daily basis. But it's daily. You've I, gone too far. This I, podcast I, is I over. Talk to mom, every fucking day. Every, you talk to her every day? Before Trump was elected, I would talk to mom at least every day once, at least every day. Jesus. Every fucking day. And since all of it blew up, we had like the almost one year fucking no contact. 
Uh, and then, you know, I tried to make amends and, and get on same page. And so we've been talking, I would say maybe like two, three times a week. Uh, God and- damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then Max died. And so I'd been called. Max is, by the way, our parents, one of our parents, Chihuahuas. Well, we should well, uh, put that out there so you're not thinking that this is like a human being. No, yeah. Max, the Chihuahua, he died 11 years old and it kind of like destroyed their whole worlds. And so I've been calling mom like every day to make sure she's okay. Now they bought a new fucking horse. So I'm calling them like, how's shiny? How's the horse? You know, just small talk. Cause I'm, I want to know how they're doing. And that's, that is like the introduction to like bigger topics. But, uh, yeah, I used to talk to mom every fucking day, every fucking day. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. You also used to live two minutes away from them in the same neighborhood. <laughs> we'll get into all of that in well, future episodes. I'm sure. Like I went to K state, they moved to Topeka. Yeah. 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 We will get into to all of that and how uh, our relationship with our parents was, I don't know, maybe a little too close as children and as young adults. But um, I just wanted to say thanks for doing this. Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm hopeful that this is going to work in, in some way. As you said, it can't be worse than what it's been over the past six years. We're like, you know, I, I didn't realize you were talking to a mom every day before Trump. Yeah. I was probably good for like a once a week or type. Yeah. Schedule, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm hopeful that we can at least start talking to each other again about ultimately things that are not even political. That would be fantastic. But I think right. to get to that point, we have to go through the fire of the political conversations. <laughs> Those have to be had. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. So anyway, thank you once again for joining me here. You're going to be on other episodes. Uh, float it by your kids. See what they think. And if you're down with that, obviously. And everyone should go check out Hive Bakery on Facebook, on Instagram. If you're in the Dallas area, drop by, pick up some cakes, pick up some cookies, cinnamon rolls. What else you guys got going on over there? I don't know. All kinds of shit. Brownies, cookies, cheesecakes, pies. We pretty much make everything. Custom cakes is our claim to fame. Two-time Food Network champion. hey And on this show, before we leave, we always say, I love you. I love you. That's odd. (laughs) Say it back to me. I love you. I love you. And I'm proud of you. Same. All right. Well, I'll talk to you again soon, probably with mom and dad. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Necessary Conversation. Please join me next week when I'm going to be having another conversation with my mom and dad, this time about some of the philosophy behind their political beliefs. Do they think democracy is a good idea or would they prefer minority rule? Join me next week to find out.